The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our PC. What's up, everyone? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, all y'all out there. Thanks for joining us on the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. We love it when you do that and spread the word and spread the mojo. And if someone cool is on the show and you kind of like the story they had to tell, then tell somebody else about it. For example, I have my good friend Nancy Zare here today. And Nancy, the crowd is on their feet. It's your first time at the first time at the Pod Six One Seven Studios. What do you think? I don't think it'll be my last time, David. <laughs> well, we'll just see how you do. Yeah, no. well, that, no, you're you know. always welcome. You're always Thank welcome. You. Nancy is the founder and CEO of Rapport Builders, and we're going to tell you all about that. It's sales training. It's all kind of cool techniques. It's like mind control techniques to become a better salesman, right? Well, I get into the mind of the buyer. You do, yeah. And you're you have a PhD in addition I to do. yes in psychology in psychology. So I use my knowledge of human behavior to uh, advise my clients how buyers think, make decisions, hence how you need to approach them, how you need to communicate both uh, orally and in writing, mm -hmm. so that you build rapport quickly and authentically, which then translates into doing business together. It's thing that a lot of people struggle with and people don't realize they're in sales even when they are in sales. Almost all of us really are in sales in one form or another. So we're going to hear all that kind of cool stuff from Nancy. She's got a great recommendation for a book you should be reading or listening to as an audiobook if you dig that sort of thing. Before we go any further, please help me in thanking the U.S. Postal Service, second largest employer in the nation, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today, usps.com slash careers. And by the way, U.S. Postal Service is hiring for the holiday season. 18 bucks an hour through January 3rd. Apply at usps.com slash careers, or you can email greaterbostonhiring at usps.gov with any questions. Come join the U.S. Postal Service and make some extra scratch for the holiday season, man. With there's only like uh, 14 shopping days left until Christmas or something like that? I guess so. Something, or maybe 15, I don't know. It depends on when I this podcast posts, I guess, because we're talking to people in the future here, Nancy. You have to always remind yourself of that. So... How does someone with a PhD end up in sales training? Because that, that's primarily what Rapport Builders is, your company, right? Right, right. We, uh, we basically consult and coach people around uh, getting a book of business. And so, believe it or not, I think the story starts when I was four or five years old. Oh, we got to get in the way back machine. The way back yeah. machine, because at that point, my uh, dad, who was a Mason, they were doing some fundraising and selling peanuts, I guess. Uh, and little girl, sweet, cute kid, right? I'm going door mm -hmm. to door with little bags of peanuts for a whole quarter. Salted it's, or unsalted? I, probably salted. <laughs> they were in the shell, so I don't in, know. So they sometimes, I never understand how you salt them in the shell, but they say that that's done sometimes. Yeah, anyway, yeah, so you yeah. got your so, bags of peanuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the thrill of making a sale, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Except I have to share with you mm -hmm. that I had no intention of becoming a salesperson. I was uh, just but, ringing you up there. There you go. Oh, you're ringing it up? Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Ka-ching, ka-ching. Yep. 
Keep those peanuts coming. That's right. Okay. So, But that's how it actually started, uh, at least both in terms of being a, a salesperson as well as being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. because I got a big thrill out of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so did you also learn re rejection? I imagine I did as a kid. But you remember the wins. I, you do. <laughs> you get addicted to the wins. Yeah, right, right. right. So. Tell me what, and just because it, it came up, it, it sales is frustrating, right? You get a lot of no's, you get turned down a lot, right? Does the typical salesperson mm -hmm. that you have to, you know, crack a lot of eggs to make that omelet, right? Right. Do, is that one of the things you help people with? Like you kind of, if it's like, you know, I've been trying to sell this, you know, thing, whatever it may be, this refrigerator to these refrigerators to these company and they keep saying no, and I think it's a good fit or it's a terrible example, but you take my point. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, just to clarify, uh, the my ideal prospect is not selling things. They're selling themselves. They're okay. selling services. And when we buy a service from a financial planner, an, an attorney, a consultant of various sorts, uh, whatever, we're actually buying the individual because mm. there are plenty of people out there who, quote, are life coaches or who are, you know, uh, estate planning attorneys or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, that so I just want to clarify and in terms of answering your question yes. about no it turns out that when you don't match the buyer's style the way the buyer's thinking and processing information and making a decision you're right you're going to get a no every time mm. but when you shift yourself to match the buyer you get a lot more yeses in fact the best salespeople outsell the average 57 to 1. I think of them as chameleons mm. because they have the capacity to shift their communication style and build rapport in that authentic way so that the buyer says, wow, it, it's so comfortable talking to this person. Yeah. I feel we're alike. There was a uh, very, well, actually, he still is a lawyer, I should say, a trial lawyer in uh, Brockton, I believe. Kevin Reddington, he's very uh, well known among the criminal bar. And he always dresses nice, looks nice, very professional. But when he talks, he's got a wicked Boston accent and he's doing these jury trials in Boston. And listen, my guy was down on the corner. He wanted to go get one beer at the place, celebrating his daughter's uh, 21st birthday. Who hasn't done anything like that before? And he would talk, and, and in other words, he's playing to his audience. And sure. so the good lawyers, you know, that's a parallel, I think, that, you know, they're they're selling their case. But is it so how do you go about that? In other words, is it as simple as if the person you're talking to is soft spoken, you want to take it down a few notches, things like that? Yeah, it's things like that. In fact, there are six different things I uh, help my clients identify, starting with vocal qualities. So are they fast or slow talker? You know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, so vocal qualities, their appearance, how they dress, including their shoes. And by the way, I have a video that if you just look at somebody's footwear, you can tell what their buying style is. <laughs> you seriously can. In fact, wow. just before I came here, I went shopping at my one of my favorite haunts and uh, mm -hmm. I was buying uh, shoes and the clerk ringing me up uh, when I mentioned this she said so she uh, obviously everybody does that like look at my shoes what does that say about me really? and I told her exactly what it said about her she was like oh my she didn't goodness like it? no it was right you on. were right you were right yeah and you, she was like you know she was tickled pink that I knew her so well without even having met her before well what 
like, give us an example. Can you tell us what you yeah, told her? So or, I mean, we don't know who wearing, she is, but yeah. She was wearing um, sneaker-type shoes, but they were full of um, rhinestones. Bling. Oh, bling, yeah. bling, 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 <laughs> bling, bling. So out, there are yeah. two messages that her shoes gave me right. in terms of her style. One is the bling, that this is a person who likes to be outstanding and take notice, and here I am, and I want the best. Mm-hmm. And when I said that to her, it was like, you know, she lit up. It was absolutely true. <laughs> but the second thing is she was wearing flat, practical shoes. Right. And I said, and you're very practical. You obviously are, you know, don't want to injure yourself by wearing heels, etc. And And again, she's very practically oriented. Wow. See, you're the person looking at the shoes, which is why you're... You stand out in what in what you do. I remember the line from Shawshank Redemption, where part of uh, you know the Tim Robbins character, part of his plan in breaking out of prison is because he's shifting certain items from his cell. He has to. He wears the the what do you call it? That guy who's in head of the, the warden. He wears the warden's fancy black shoes the last night he walks to his cell before he breaks out. And you hear Morgan Freeman's voice says, "No one even noticed the the shoes he was wearing because think about it. How often is it that you look at a man's shoes?" And um, <laughs> maybe we should be looking more at shoes. Yeah, so anyway. Now you got me constantly worried about my <laughs> shoes. So I'm wearing these Tommy Hill. What would you call these? Sneakers? Fancy yeah, sneakers? Yeah, they're kind of fancy sneakers. So again. They're Tommy Hill, Hilfinger. They are designer labeled, which is oh boy. partly who you vain, are, right? Vain. Yes, exactly. You got it. You got yeah. it. So anyway. But comfortable, practical in the sense that they're comfort. So exactly. But you're also the kind of person who says, I want people to take notice of me, but I'm I'm cool. Okay. I don't have to play up to the crowds. I can set my own pace and tone. Oh, you can come back anytime on my show. Nancy, see, <laughs> see, I told you I'd be back. Anyway, so those were two things. I mentioned vocal qualities and appearance, also mannerisms, uh, decor. If you're a person who, for example, financial planner would go and meet with a couple at their home or something mm-hmm. like that, or the office, you can tell from decor. Uh, their social media presence or lack thereof right. tells you about them. And uh, right now I'm not remembering the last one, but it you might have even said six by now. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, so. Yeah. But uh, so that's cool because it, it occurs to me. So you have a book coming out in, I thought I heard you say January. Yeah, before we January started 28th okay. of 2020. And tell us what that's called and what that's all about. It's called Words That Sell With Style. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the style is about the four different ways people make buying decisions for styles. And, of course, words that sell, what words or phrases should you use that will build rapport quickly with each style. Oh, i got to buy this book. Yeah. And repel Mm-hmm. because the styles are quite different. Mm-hmm. So the words that would attract one style may repel another. So when you know who your ideal uh, market is, your ideal client, then you want to use your marketing materials and your words, etc., to obviously pull them and attract them to you. It's like you have to be a private investigator. It's almost like you're you're on the, I don't want to say a murder scene, because it's certainly not that, but the way that people can... On, it is solving a mystery. The mystery. The mystery is what is. What are the magical things that I can do to persuade this person that they want to work with me? So let me let me give you a different feeling than that. It's a murder mystery because <laughs> here's the scoop. You and I, everybody who's listening, are taking in cues about people all the time. Right. And I'm not talking about clues at, at a murder scene. I'm talking about cues about the fact that. Somebody talks fast, somebody talks slow. Somebody is enthusiastic and excited, and Mm -hmm. somebody's very laid back. Mm -hmm. 
somebody's wearing a button-down shirt collar and somebody's got an open shirt and the shirt is over their belt line. All of (laughs) these things we're taking in, it's just that you don't know what cubbyhole to stick that information into. You don't know how to interpret what that means. I, as a psychologist, can tell you that's what it means. Hence, when you approach the person, here's the the way that they're going to respond best. Mm-hmm. Is and that is that making more absolute, sense than a murder? No, absolutely. Well, forget the murder part, yeah, but it's you, still a, but it's still a mystery. It's, you're trying to uncover things based on clues and cues okay. that you're picking up, and it, it all fits together in a puzzle. I mean, yeah. and and it it seems if you don't check social media and scour social media before you go into a meeting with someone, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I tell people that I do this sometimes and they say, mm, sounds a little, you're sounding a little bit uh, like you're a stalker there. You know, you're, you're digging too deep. Let me give you a great story because it just happened last weekend uh, during, uh, you know, I was, I decided I wanted to buy something and I belong to a particular group online. And so I decided to post my request to buy this item online because I knew that I'd like to share my you know, give the business to somebody in that group. Sure enough, several people raised their hands, said, I sell that product. So, of course, I go to their website or their Facebook page or something to see who these people are. And the one person that really matched up directly with what my request was, I noted what her style was. Well, this is a woman who'd had no smile on her photographs. Oh well, it's all yeah. right. I knew what her style was, right? <laughs> yeah. I knew what her style was. And so, and I looked at her pictures on Facebook, and there were a few of family, but again, she was kind of absent from the pictures. Yeah. It was more family. Well, all of these are messages that my brain knows what they mean. So I had to message, uh, she had given me a website to buy something, but it asked me for the consultant's email address. I didn't have that. I had her name, Mm -hmm. but nothing else. So I had to message her, what's your uh, email address so that I can complete the order form. So we exchanged a few messages back and forth. I asked some questions about the product I was buying to make sure I was getting the product I wanted, blah, 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 blah. 15 minutes go by after we had concluded the transaction. I'd made the sale. I'm busy doing something else. And I hear bing. And I know that there's a message happening and it was from her. Mm She looked me up online mm-hmm. and then said, oh, so you are the founder of Report Builders. You're a psychologist. How did I do? <laughs> How did she know to ask that, I wonder? Well, it, you know, I think she asked it because inside she kind of knew she hadn't really done a very good job. Right, right. She had not sold me. Not mm. that you, you can sell somebody. People love to buy, but they don't like to be sold. But she did not engage the relationship. She did not engage me in building a relationship with her at all. But I knew Mm -hmm. that that was her style. Hence, what I did is I asked questions because I knew she was the thinker type. I asked questions to bring out information. And now she's asking me, well, how did I do? And I think I could use some help. Wow. I actually picked up a client that way. That's fantastic. I know. Yeah. And... Uh, good on her for actually being bold because it's I, I did applaud her for that right that because, took courage because right she she could use some amp- I mean listen not everybody is warm and compassionate and friend, friendly and outgoing but there are certain things you need to do in order to do your job and 
somehow this this woman knew that she was could use some coaching up that's it's very interesting because yeah. i thought i would i wouldn't necessarily guess a person like that would take the initiative to try to get better but good on her yeah mm-hmm. yeah let's take a break for one minute just for me to remind you about our proud sponsor of the boston podcast u.s postal service second largest employer in the united states offering paid training and ways to move up apply today usps.com slash careers we also want to thank our friends at adori that's a-d-o-r-i do yourself a favor go to the app store and download the adori app that's a-d-o-r-i by the way it's a it's an uh, anagram for radio because of out of their love for radio they now post podcasts on their app including this one and your podcast will come to life you'll see images and links and all kinds of fun bells and whistles all your favorite podcasts are on there adori a-d-o-r-i Download the app, and thanks to our friends at Adori. They're in India, so they might be sleeping right now. But that's the thing with podcasts. They could be listening at any time. It's very nice. Hey, Kardik. Shout out, Kardik. He's my boy. Um, and by the way, finally, to conclude this block of, of uh, advertising and commercialism, if you want your own podcast, kids, go to pod617.com. All kinds of buttons there. You can look at our full menu of services, our price list, and the whole deal, and you can come in here to our Westwood Studios and discover how you can become the next podcast star, pod617.com. But back to Nancy. So once again, Words That Sell With Style is the name of the book. So look for that in January. Yeah, January January 28th. Wherever you buy fine books, I take it. Uh, Well, actually, it's coming out as an electronic book first. And I have a very special offer on January 28th. You can't tell us what it is yet? Yeah, you can download it for free. Come on. I'm serious. I'm serious. And then, of course, the price goes up. (laughs) (laughs) But for a 24-hour window, hey, hey, I'm jumping on there. I want to know about these these four personality types to sell to. Her website, by the way, is rapportbuilders.com. So that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T-B-U-I-D-E-R. And you're wondering why I'm spelling the word. It's with a Z. Builders with a Z.com. Nancy Zare. You get it. C for Zare, right? That's, That's it, right? right? You okay. got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, it's uh, the, the Z instead of the S is kind of a modern day, you know, a shine you put on things to make them memorable, I guess. I well, and you know what's yeah. interesting is that when I was growing up as a child, that's exactly what my, my mom said. The Z is distinctive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you and I are bottom of the alphabet brothers and sisters. I right? know, but you would have sat ahead of me, David. Just barely. I would have pulled your hair. You poured, <laughs> you, you poured, yeah, back when I had some. You, yeah, you poor thing. I, I, I thought that I was pretty much last. No, every once in a while in school, there'd be a, kid named like Zora. Yes, or, or some, Zuckerman. Z- oh, oh, pity, oh, pity Zuckerman. But I have, I have a, uh, an even deeper pull. Uh, when I showed up at um, college in my, my freshman dorm across the way was a, this uh, lovely woman named Aviva, and her last name was Ziskind, Z-Y-S-K-I-N-D. I don't think you can beat that. You get the Z and then the Y and then the S, which isn't so great either. So, um, uh, Aviva, I haven't heard from you in years, but I imagine you're still at the bottom of the alphabet. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she married up, changed her name, and now she's uh, Aviva Ames and laughing at everyone below her. <laughs> so... We're going to play this segment called Good Stuff, and Nancy's going to tell us something cool that even she learned from. So let's do this now. Oh, that's the good stuff. So you're going to recommend a book by Mel, you tell me. Robbins. Mel Robbins. So I, I confess, I'm in the dark. I didn't know about Mel. The five-second rule. Five-second rule. And it's not about food falling on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) 
Although I heard, I heard within recent years that somebody actually proved that scientifically that there might be something to the five second rule. <laughs> well, she actually yeah. proved that there's something to the five second rule. Uh, it, she, uh, being a, an attorney, actually, her mm-hmm. background is that she used to practice law, but when she moved with her husband to Boston, she wasn't uh, admitted to the bar, so she was doing other things. But this is a woman who is used to doing a lot of research. So when she came up with this quote five second rule, she wanted to find out how come it worked. And there's a lot of scientific backing for it. So let's listen to a little bit of Mel Robbins talking about the five-second rule. This isn't necessarily the, the book that Nancy is recommending, but it's certainly the spirit and the same topic. Notice I said simple. I didn't say easy. And the reason why it's not easy is because you have to deal with you. And now we know that you're a control freak and you're stubborn and you got all these excuses. You're a real pain. And... I'm going to teach you, though, the very, very simple way to get what you want. There's only one rule when it comes to productivity. There's only one rule when it comes to success. There's only one rule to getting everything you've ever wanted. And here it is. You're never going to feel like it. Ever. In any area of your life that you don't have what you want, whether it's the amount of money, Wait, that's the, the that's of the rule. The five-second rule is that prior to doing anything, especially the thing that you don't want to do, for example, exercise, push away from the kitchen table, mm-hmm. uh, take the leaves and mow the lawn, or whatever right, it might right, right. be, you count five, four, three, two, one, go. Mm-hmm. And that breaks that mental chain of, I don't feel like it, I don't want to, it isn't the right time, I have all these excuses why I'd rather stay home, or whatever. And that is the five-second rule is you count backwards from five, and you push yourself, you get up, you do whatever. Sort of force yourself. Let's hear, uh, sorry, Nancy, let's hear just a little bit more from Mel. If you think about it, what's your job as a parent? It's to make kids do the things they don't feel like doing so they can grow up and move out and become independent adults. My son never feels like getting off the DS. He never feels like putting his feet down when he's in the car. My daughter never feels like cleaning up the Barbies. I have no idea why they're always naked, by the way. The Barbies, she means. Always naked. And the funny thing is, when you grew up and moved out, your parents never said to you, guess what? You are a total pain in the rear end. You never feel like doing anything. You don't feel like so why do we need a whole book around this? If Now I know the rule, so I can just go do it, right? Yeah, you can, actually. <laughs> and, uh, and some people have listened to exactly that and put it into action. And like I say, some people, again, there are four different styles in terms of communication. Some people need the scientific evidence behind something in order to act. Other people need social proof that other people are doing it and getting results. Uh, again, there are four different styles. Well, I was... I mean, half joking. I'm sure there's more to it. And she gives examples of how it applies. Mm-hmm. So so you're buying this. You're I, buying this. Oh, I'm buying it big time. Yeah. So it really, so in other words, the thing that you're procrastinating, because I, I, um, I do procrastinate and usually it's the thing, you know what it is? It's usually that it's when it's a multi-step thing. If I have to, these days, especially if I have to mail something in the mail I procrastinate that. So Nancy is mocking the pulling your hair out, uh, the international symbol for pulling your hair out and being crazed. And that's it. It's like, for some reason in my brain, it's like, wait a minute, first I got to find 
the bill, and then I got to write out a check. That's two things. And I got to put find an envelope. Hopefully, I still have the envelope. I might not. I might got to find my own. And then a stamp, and then take it to the post office. That's five things. So, I totally concur. I yeah. that's one of the things uh, that I I can't even find mailboxes <laughs> yeah. anymore. You have to go to the post office to mail yeah. things because where in the heck are these mailboxes right. that used to be on every little corner? They're not there anymore. Well, um, however, once you make it to the U.S. Postal Service, they do a fine job. And by the way, we're thanks do. to our sponsor, the U.S. Postal <laughs> Service. <laughs> Sorry. They do. So here's the scoop about yep. procrastination. There's actually two types she talks about. There's good procrastination, which I'd really I'd really call marination, where you're marinating on an idea, you've just written something, you're not ready to push the send button on the email, you need to step away, let it, you know, process, go back and then reread it before you, you know, say it's done. That's, that procrastination is valuable. Sometimes you get an idea in your head and the next 24 hours later, you just realize, eh, I don't know what I was thinking. So, th- so that thing is good, especially like if you've got uh, a project that you, you know. In my case, I wrote a book. Uh, you know, I didn't write the book and then you know like immediately publish it. I, I've revised it, I've edited it, sure. I've thought about it, etc. But the second kind of procrastination, which is what you're talking about, is is the kind where y- you don't wanna because it's complicated. There are too many steps. Mm. There's too much involved, and in this case, it's become a habit. And you're looking for relief from a feeling, which she just talked about. We don't feel like it. So we feel stressed by what you just said, those five steps. Hence, rather than man up to it or girl up to it or woman up to (laughs) it, we we avoid it through, quote, procrastination. So, But for something like writing a book, because I'm one that has an idea for a book in my head that's been sitting there for at least three years, (laughs) and I haven't started yet. So... For that, you know, I can one morning I can get up and I can all of a sudden start to write it, but then I got to do that every day. So this is where the five, four, three, two, one rule comes in. As she would say, is that you, if that is a goal of yours to become an author and have Mm -hmm. that book out, so that other people can benefit from your wisdom that you've collected, then you need to say, you know, I don't feel like writing today, and I will write. Mm. So five, four, three, two, one, here's the uh, keyboard and start typing. Well, you've been writing a book. You know how difficult it is. I I (laughs) do. I've written three. So, yeah. And I used to be a columnist for Lawyers Weekly and a a writer and I had deadlines. And it's funny how um, that helped. The deadlines helped because they weren't, I didn't set the deadlines. You know, somebody else does. And I knew it's, you know publish or perish, so to speak, like it may, may meet the deadline or else your article is not going in the paper. And that that was the kind of motivation that produced some good stuff. And I wrote some, some of my better columns were ones I wrote like the night before they were due, <laughs> just, you know, because the adrenaline kicks in and all that. But when you're on your own schedule, you got to create the, so do you recommend things like that? Like create... Tell me. Yeah, and and she also talks about the fact that it turns out, again, she goes into brain psychology, which, of course, being a psychologist, I'm all interested in. But apparently uh, there's a thing about a starting mechanism. So if there is a a starting ritual, like 54321, and you know that after one you do something, Mm -hmm. that is a way to propel you to do, you know, to get going. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Again, the name of the book that um, Nancy is recommending is Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And I take it you can find it anywhere. Fine yeah. books are sold and all that. So we're, we're close to getting up against the clock here. But 
Um, again, Nancy's there at rapportbuilders.com with a Z at the end there. No S, just a Z. Uh, tell me, uh, give, give me an example of a success story that you've experienced with a client, someone you work with, or some, someone that was kind of lost and they came to the church of Nancy and then they were found. <laughs> well, I w- what first came to my mind yeah. is uh, uh, one of my uh, uh, clients who was stuck. She had met a prospect. Prospect was all excited about what she was offering. She's a consultant and she had a package of services and, um, and then crickets. She sent yeah. off the proposal and nothing, you know, she didn't hear back. And she texts, she messages. Uh, uh. Mm. Well, as we're on the coaching call, I, I dictate the words for her to use and I tell her the mechanism to use it. So in this case, it was Instagram messaging. Mm. And with while we're on the coaching call, like 10 minutes later, there's a response back. Really? And it's favorable and off they go to consummate wow, the deal. you got the secret sauce. I have the secret sauce, David, I, yeah. I confess. Because I, I ponder these things. I don't know whether I get them right or not, but there's, um, you know, email is a new language we didn't have 20 years ago or however long it's been now, but, and there's an art form to it. And in, when you're in sales, and even if you don't think you're in sales, you might be in sales, selling yourself, um, you know, the, the, your email can come off as perfectly appropriate and it can come off as curt, right? And you, the last thing you want to do is just give someone an exit ramp so they can say, well, this person's trying to sell me these things. I, I know they're nice. And now here comes an email and she's being, she or he is being a huge pest and forget it. And right. So that's the kind of thing you get into. And yeah. yeah. And also the fact that again, of the four different styles, two of them actually are readers and two of them are not. So hence you yeah. don't want to send an email to the non-readers. Right. Cause it, they will never open it. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. So yeah, you got to get the method and some people are texters and exactly. some people, some people like the phone. Some and it isn't get... just the millennials or the whatever generation, you know, that, Oh, they're all like this. No, in each generation, there are people who like to read and people don't like to read right. people who want to engage in uh one-to-one and people who are like distant and, you know, lock me in a closet somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell which way they prefer because of the way they come to you. Is that right? Yeah. Because, yeah, I have, I have people that, you know, here at the podcast studios, you know, we, we produce podcasts for professionals and but on subjects from, you know, as sort of um, black and white as the law to we work with, you know, wedding consultants and we work with young people, old people. It's all over the place. And it could be some people just will, will give you a call. You'll see the phone ring and they'll just want to catch up. Like, I'm in the car and I just want to make sure you got this thing and blah, blah, blah. And then other people... Most, the big middle, I think, is email. I think that's become sort of the most popular. But then there are plenty of people who text. And it's like, even this is the way I do business. I do text. Yeah, yeah. On my outgoing voicemail machine, my uh, message, I say the quickest way to get in touch with me is to text me. Because um, I don't know. I'm done with voicemail. Maybe some people like voicemail. I don't no, know. <laughs> and it's true, David. Yeah. So that's another thing that, you know, again, I have to advise my clients when they've left voice messages and sent emails and there's no response. I know that those are not the media through which that particular prospect is going to respond. Hence, you have to look for a different way, it's hard including to... the fact I've recommended to one of my clients mm-hmm. to send a gift. Yeah, you know, have good. a gift delivered. Yeah. Let me tell you, that gets attention in an office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's, it's the, it's the exception to the rule. And that's why it's so good. And some people still do the handwritten notes, which is a nice touch again for someone like me, 
to have to sit down. I got to find a pen and then a pen. I, <laughs> I am a believer <laughs> yeah. in um, in uh, cards because cards get a hundred percent open rate as opposed to an email oh, or voicemail. However, I know busy professionals don't have time to do cards, so I actually have another business called Gratitude Builders Ooh. in which we send cards and gifts on behalf of busy professionals. Oh, I like this. Yeah. So is it Gratitude Builders with a Z dot com? That's is right. It? All right. Cool. It's, yeah. I, I I think it's such a powerful way to build the relationship with someone especially if it's something that the person really doesn't ex, uh, expect and it could be something as simple as I remember um, I used to work for the financial firm Bernstein that had a very good training program on things like this and one guy was like give gifts and we're all going what do you mean give gifts and he says well I'll give you an example I met with uh, an accountant who could be a good source of business for me and um, I saw a picture of him, you know, catching a fish. And he was talking about what a passionate fisherman he was. And so immediately I left, I went down to the newsstand. I bought a fishing magazine, nothing too expensive, but a fishing magazine. Hey, saw this magazine, thought of you, drop it in an envelope. It took him two minutes. And I guarantee you, the guy lit up like, wow. And it also shows he was listening to me. You know, he he understands that I love that. I mean, you know, it could be anything. It could be, you know, bottle of wine or cigars or or, you know, a fruit basket or whatever it may be. But, but, but you, you're you absolutely right because he listened to the yep. fish story. He knew to get fish as opposed to wine. Right. I mean, wine right, is right, too right. generic. You're right. That's a good point. Unless you happen to be like the wine person. But then again, what do you get? It would be hard buying wine for the person who knows everything about wine. Yeah. Yeah, there's something else. Everybody's got something. That's yeah. right. Or, or even, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 the, the point of the thing is it's ne- it's never the amount of the gift it's simply the thoughtfulness this person thought of me and then you can bet that the next time you email or ping them or whatever you do they're not going to be like oh it's this person contacting me it's going to be oh it's the guy who got me the fishing magazine yeah. so let me give a tip about gifts sure. or get about cards because one of the things i do for my clients is we personalize it not just with a note or with their handwriting but we can actually personalize it by putting a picture not of the person sending the card but the person receiving the card mm-hmm. you do not throw away a card that when you open it up and there you are Right. You don't throw that away. Right. In fact, you put it on display and other people take note of it. I like it. Yeah, that's why before we started recording, I have my Alexa show in here who I fight with all the time. Uh, Alexa, don't say anything. Don't say anything. She's going to say something. She said something. I can't hear. Um, but I that's one of the reasons I have that there. I, I, I want people to remember coming into the studio. Take a picture. We got our logo behind, so it's nice branding for us. And then, and uh, I promise you, you'll get the picture, Nancy, of you and Thank me you. looking, looking very sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're up against the clock, but I hope you had a good time here, Nancy, on the Boston podcast. I did. Like I said, you're welcome back anytime. It's Nancy Zare, Z A R E. It's the easiest name in the world to remember. Sometime come visit. Poor Nancy and I at the bottom of the alphabet. And rapportbuilders.com, builders with a Z.com, words that sell with style is the book available. What's the day that we can get it for free? January 28th. January 28th. So go to the, it'll, and we can go to rapportbuilders.com and we'll yeah, be There'll be so, plenty of information. Okay. Very good. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service, usps.com slash careers. Thanks to our friend at Adori. Go to the App Store, down, download the Adori app. And if you like this podcast, share it with a friend, colleague, whomever. And on behalf of Dr. Nancy Zare, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. You must be the other guy.
Let's go.